This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, sir. Welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? I can barely see you through all the snow that's falling out my window. Is it crazy there in Prince Edward County? Is it? Yeah. We're getting the squalls they talked about. So tiny, tiny, tiny flakes of snow are coming down, but thick. So um, it's hard to see the house across the street at this point. (laughs) Okay, yeah, we are not getting quite the same deal here in Collingwood. Although last weekend we got a big, big dumping on the Sunday. We got like 15 centimeters. I know. And I said to you last Saturday during the garden (laughs) show, and you laughed at me when I said, you know, look out for the snow. Yeah, and you know what? It's well, it's bizarre. We were out. We were out all day Saturday planting allium bulbs, like all day (laughs) for about six hours, digging and planting and digging and planting. And then, oh my goodness, the whole week has been covered in snow. We are so grateful we got out there and did it that day. Yeah, that was your day, and I hope anybody who's listening. If they've got bulbs still inside in little paper bags in their garage, you know, look for those moments. The ground is still not frozen. So technically you can move the snow, dig down into the soil and get those bulbs in the ground even today. Okay, well, and I have a question about that, which we will get to later, but I want to give out the numbers Uh, in Toronto, and we would love for you to give us a call with any gardening questions. It can be an indoor gardening question. It can be an outdoor gardening question, and I'm sure we will get both right now (laughs) because we're in that transition time. Uh, Number is 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. It is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Please let Carl snow if you are a first-time caller and i will give you your garden wings and of course our mantra has not changed for a long 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 time we want you to call often we want you to call early don't leave it till the end of the show and one question per call please 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 so do you have any any announcements this week or are we announcement free or we just what's well, I have a little bit of an update for, okay. for everyone, uh, including yourself, Dean. I, I heard from Frank Proctor yesterday. Beautiful. Who's, yeah, lolling uh, poolside in Florida. And uh, <laughs> he just wanted to check in and say, you know, he's halfway through his month, his month in Florida. And uh, just wanted to let us know that he's thinking about us. And I, re- re- you know, I returned an email back to him and said, we're thinking about him, too. Beautiful. Yeah, I saw Frank about, I think I mentioned to you, I saw him at the um, the Expo, sh- or, sorry, the Zoomer Expo show, and he, he showed up, and it was so nice to see him. I got a, got my picture taken with Frank. Um, 
you know, uh, because, of course, he had also hosted uh, Big Ben Sunday night uh, when George Ginescu passed. He jumped in and, and hosted that. And so uh, when I started here last uh, last fall, I took over uh, Big Ben Sunday night and, uh, uh, you know, this chair for him as well. So but uh, he looked great. It was yeah. so nice to see him. That's great. Yeah, yeah. He he's a he's a very fun man. I miss him for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I and as I, I told you, I met uh, Frank about twenty years back. So yeah. I, we've bumped into each other over the years, and he's always a delight to uh, to chat with for sure. Okay. Well, we should probably take our first break, uh, but I can see the lines are starting to light up. But yeah, give us a call again. Do it early. We uh, want to make sure we get your question. We'll be right back with much more here on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back with The Garden Show here with Charlie Dobbin, who is, are you still uh, decompressing from all your time in Hawaii? Are you, you know, you went from sand and tropical to snow? Well, I don't know if the word decompressing, how about just depressing? <laughs> you know, well, I just keep you... looking and thinking, I wish I was in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, dear. Just lost you. Um... Okay, I'm not sure if I'm on the air right now or if you are. Are either of us on the air right now? I can't, I can't hear anything. Dean, you look a bit frozen. Okay, so Mary's on the line. Mary, welcome to the Garden Show, calling in from Toronto. Good morning. Here's your first Amaryllis question of the season, <laughs> and I love Hawaii. My question yeah. is this. I did this year what you said, let them get touched by frost. I brought them in a few days ago, or maybe more, and mm. one of them, and I don't know if it's an extra big bulb I had, several just didn't survive, is it's only one bulb, and it's split in three. It has one, two, mm. three uh, leaves, not a lot, skinny, sparse, mm. coming out of the one bulb. And the middle one looks like a strong, short leaf. So rather than putting it down in my crawl space, I'm going to put the other two down there. They've hardly got any leaves until the yellow. I don't know if I should keep growing this one. But uh, okay, three so, of them. Well, the you know what, Mary? Interesting question you're, you're asking and point you're making. The thing about amaryllis is what we tend to do and what I do uh, now is I force my amaryllis to go dormant. So even though they're green and lush and beautiful, when I bring them in, which is typically September sometime, sometimes middle or late September, I at that point stop watering and just put them in the dark. So it doesn't matter how good they look. I just stick them in the dark and ignore them. Uh, I checked on them yesterday. All of them, the, the green leaves have shriveled up. They've turned yellow. I clean those all up, and they're just sitting there quietly in the dark. Uh, they are full of potential, but they are not growing yet. However, the other alternative would be to say, oh, they're so beautiful and green when you bring them in, is you don't force them to go dormant. You allow them to continue to grow as a houseplant inside the house 
year-round, green leaves in the winter, uh, outside green leaves in the summer, and they will flower sporadically, not necessarily at Christmas, but they will flower sporadically just, uh, you know, as as it goes. So um, it's up to you if you... Uh, you know, if you want to keep that one, you know, on a nice sunny window and grow it up, continue letting it grow, water as necessary, the one with the green leaf, go ahead and put the other ones downstairs into the dark uh, and test. You could even test. Try try both ways. Well, so if I put if I put the one that is split in like on one bulb, three of them, it's almost in a, in a row um, mm. and let it just go yellow and everything. I'd have a better chance of it producing a flower whenever, January, February, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, rather than uh, keeping it growing. Well, I think so. I think, yes, by putting it in the dark, stopping your water, and you do initiate the flower bulb or bud uh, in the inside the bulb uh, so that it does provide you a better chance. And when they do split like that, that's actually, those are daughter, daughter what we call daughter bulbs, growing off the mother. So, yeah, what starts as one bulb can become three, four, five, all in the same pot over a period of years. So, yeah, I mean, my impulse in your case would be to just put them in the dark, stop watering, ignore them, and check every every couple of weeks, just take a check. At some point, they will start to grow on their own. And at that point, you bring them up out of the dark. Okay, when you said daughter bulbs, I have had over the years, little tiny bulblets grow off the side. More, this okay. I've never had. Where oh. it, the middle of it's like in a in a row, a choir boy. <laughs> but I'll do that because I'd like to see what happens if I get all three. Yeah. So thank well, you. And remember, you will eventually. The smaller bulbs, the younger bulbs, or when bulbs split like that, they aren't mature enough necessarily to grow flowers. So instead. Uh, you'll get leaves, but don't worry about it. It might take a couple of seasons, but eventually the bulbs get big enough, and then you'll get flowers. So be patient. Always be patient. Yes, thank you. The daughter bulbs took about five years, but that's okay. But thank yeah, you so exactly. much. I'm going to put stuff. it down in the basement and see what happens. I'll let you know. Thanks, thanks, Mary. Yes, for sure. Report back. Thank you. <laughs> take care. Bye. You too. Hey, Dean. Oh. Hey, I'm back. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, it, my system just shut down. Just said, you're not talking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you're done. Well, so, I'm back. Yeah, I felt like that snowstorm just rolled in and just cut us off. <laughs> so there you Sad. go. Wow. Wow. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say one thing about, I have to say, planting bulbs. We were using your trick last weekend. Gail was throwing bags of leaves right on top of everything <laughs> to try and mask it from all the squirrels. And then, of course, it snowed profusely the next day. So we feel like we don't have that problem now because now everything is covered up. Yeah, which is so great. And you know what? The leaves will do good things for the garden. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, we we had uh, we had some fun. We dug up sections of garden that we had never that we hadn't done for years, and did some mass planting, which I had never been able to, you know. But put in all sorts of bulbs, you know, as per the instructions of how far you space them. But uh, yeah, yeah. but okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, good for you. I I did the same thing last Saturday, and I even went out on Sunday to finish. Uh, planting. I had some uh, fritillaria, beautiful little woodland fritillaria and um, daffodils to put in the ground. And we finished mulching and did all kinds of stuff, wrapped a few evergreens. Yeah, it was a pretty productive weekend for me too. Beautiful. Okay, let's take our next break, but we will be back. We have more callers to get to and we'll have much more to talk about right here on The Garden Show.
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back with The Garden Show. Uh, before we get to our uh, next caller, I'm going to give out the numbers again. We'd love for you to give us a call, 416-360-0740. That is the number if you live in Toronto. And if you live anywhere outside the city of Toronto in the province of Ontario, you have a number that is toll-free, and that's one 866 740 Four seven four zero. Janet from Hamilton has patiently been waiting on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Janet. Hi. Good morning. I have discovered that on my back deck, I would be preferred to be surrounded by green. So I ended up getting a couple of tall artificial plants. But now I'd like to put some kind of a grass in a pot. It's uh, twenty wide by about nineteen high, and of course, it's smaller in the bottom and slopes up. Is there any kind of perennial grass that's safe? I won't be bringing it in. It has to stay out. The pot's too big to lift. So have you got any suggestions for a grass, perennial grass, that I can put in that pot in the spring? Uh, okay, so my one question is how much sunshine would be on that planter? Maybe half a day. So maybe morning four sun, or five yeah, hours? Morning sun. Um, you know, you have quite a few options. The more sun, the better, generally. Okay. Uh, did you want, like, tall ornamental grass, or do you prefer, like, color and what's... Uh, I like f- about maybe four feet. I wouldn't want to go beyond four feet, and I could do color. A little bit of color. Not much, though. Mm. Wow. Um, okay. So, um, four feet. There's a few of them out there. Hold on. I'm just... I might have to, uh, you know, I might have to report back. You you get your pen and paper, and I'm going to report back on some good suggestions. Okay. Um, what oat grass? There's a proper name for that. Chasmanthium, I believe, is the right name. Is a great one in part sun, part shade. Not as much as four feet, though, more like two feet, but gets lovely um, seed heads. That they call them nodding seed heads. Okay. They they literally um, look great on a little breezy day late in the summer. So the oat grass is good. Uh, one of the great ones in part sun too is the Japanese forest grass, also oh, okay. known as Hakanakloa. Japanese forest grass though is not tall. It's much more of a, a drooping, you know, um, at the most maybe a foot tall, but droops down over the edges of the container. So okay. that's an excellent one as well. Um, and one more question, what direction does your back deck or how much wind would be on that area in the middle of winter? Oh, I would probably move it to um, to the back of the deck. It's like a wind tunnel in the winter. I would just move it to the back corner, and okay. I could probably put up some kind of tarping or something against the fences that divide the houses. Okay. Yeah, don't put tarp, though. Don't put any plastic. A uh, burlap no, I mean, would work. Uh, or, you know, the burlap. That's what I'm looking for. Yes, yeah, or the old blankets or, you know, that kind of the old felt uh, just yeah. to block the wind okay okay stay tuned i'm going to um come up with a couple of more suggestions for you that might give you more height than the okay. two i've just mentioned okay thanks, thanks, thanks Charlie. Okay, All right, yeah. bye. thanks janet 
Um, I was wondering, Charlie, in listening, if, depending on the size of the pot, mm-hmm. could you plant a couple of different grasses, one that goes up higher and the other one that droop down on the sides? Or It's not that big a pot, though, no. okay. 20 inches. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, you know what's the most popular ornamental grass? You see it everywhere in every parking lot, every hotel, every, you know, uh, community center. It's called Carl Forrester grass, K-A-R-L Forester, uh, which is actually the cultivar name. It's a lovely, nice, tall, vertical, very tough grass. Grows just about anywhere. It's so able to withstand abuse. It's a great one, but it's going to want a minimum of six hours of sun, and it'll grow a nice two to three feet tall. Now, a pot that's only twenty inches deep, you're going to—that's going to shorten whatever you put in there. But uh, there are some other big ones like you know zebra grass and stuff. So yeah, I'll just grab my uh, handy dandy book in in the next break. Okay, got it. Uh, in the meantime, let's go to Joan in Burlington. Uh, Joan, welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning to both of you. Charlie, I wanted to ask you one simple question about my lavender. Should it have been cut down for the winter or not? (laughs) Okay, good question. People have different experiences with lavender. In Burlington, you're pretty mild, so you might be fine to have left it alone. And Mm -hmm. then in the spring, once things start to grow, uh, you know, the weather gets warmer, the birds are singing, the sun is shining. Take a close look at your lavender and remove anything that's obviously dead. Mm-hmm. Or uh, And the, the advantage of trimming in the fall, which is one of those, you shear, where I live, the recommendation is to shear your lavender, little bush, little shrub, by about a third of its new growth. Not a third of the whole plant, but mm-hmm. a third of its new growth. So if you've had as much as, say, three inches of new growth in the summer, you're going to take about an inch off the entire plant. And the reason we do that is you just end up with a better form for the plant over the years. If you leave it and just let it go through the winter and then in the spring take off some of the deadwood, you will end up with a plant that is not that, I mean, it's a beautiful plant, but the form is not great. It's all kind of gangly. It's tending to grow on one side more than the other side, and it's tall and it's short, and it's, you know, a, a bit of a, um, a unstructured mess in the garden versus mm-hmm. a nice, tidy little mound of lavender. So that's the only, uh, that I know, a real advantage of doing that shearing in the fall is to, to have a, a better-looking plant. I haven't I haven't trimmed it down. It's the first year I've had it. There I have three of them in there, and they're about uh, sixteen inches tall. Mm-hmm. And nice. Quite frankly, so, I've never so grown it before, but are, I absolutely love lavender. Oh, of course, yeah. And where you are, you're, you're probably as long as it's getting enough sun and the soil is well drained, you should be fine. It'll, they'll come through the winter fine, and then just take a look. You're going to want to clean them up a bit in the spring. Well, so far we're lucky. We haven't had snow. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, there's no snow outside. I look at back. There's no snow. Maybe, maybe a centimeter we had the other day. That's all. Well, so I was <laughs> going to say you're in the banana belt, and I would have been right. <laughs> yes, yes, God's little green egg. My sister called it. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Good for you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, you so much for your advice. Enjoy your Bye. green garden right now. Mine's pretty white. <laughs> yeah, 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 mine as well. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Thanks for the call, Joan. Thank um, you. I was I was going to say I wouldn't be able to see any of my lavender right now. It is covered in about a foot of snow. Yeah, is that how much snow you've got? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we it's, we've shoveled a few times, and you, every morning is clearing off the cars. Oh yeah. When are you? Uh, when are the ski resorts opening? Do you know? 
Well, they have to have a certain amount of base down, so that I don't think they ever plan to open up quite this early. But, you know, they can be surprised. Uh, they just have to keep monitoring how much base is there. Otherwise, you can. I think you can really damage the hills, and you can damage people's skis if you don't have enough uh, base down there. Fish. And the ground isn't frozen here. It's still soft. No, and I... I I mean, it could be for, I guess, certain certain way, uh, or I guess maybe an inch down. I don't know. How far down does the ground freeze typically in Canada? Yeah, in southern Ontario, it can go, it's, this frost can go as deep as three and a half feet, so about a meter. Wow, okay. By January, February, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, but it, it does take time. Yeah, it does. It takes a few months for sure. Yeah, because I was taking your uh, your advice. It was kept running through my head, you know, for weeks that, you know, as you said, even if it snows a little bit, as long as the ground is not frozen, you can still dig down and plant those bulbs. So I wasn't surprised this morning when you said, you know, and, and most of us wouldn't do that, but you could theoretically, <laughs> you know, move the snow away. And as long as you can keep digging in the ground, I mean, you'd, they'd be laughing at me across the street, but you could do that. <laughs> Spoken like a true procrastinator. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, there was just other things to do. And so, yeah, the bulbs <laughs> kept sitting there and kept sitting there. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, that's okay. You're going to love them in the spring. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's go to uh, Diane in Toronto. Welcome to the garden show, Diane. Hi, Charlie and Dean. <clears throat> Excuse me. My question is regarding a cardinal flower. I purchased one um, three days ago, and I'm just wondering if I should put it in the ground now or stick it in the, it's still in the pot, or um, stick it in the garage. Um, I haven't had much luck with these in the past, so I'm just wondering, um, you know, are they delicate sort of thing or what I should do with the uh, All right. Good question. So cardinal mm -hmm. flower is a perennial, obviously red flowering, herbaceous perennial. It's actually a lobelia mm -hmm. is the proper name, but cardinal flower is the common name. If you've had trouble with this plant in the past, it could be that you haven't found the right spot for it because it's kind of picky that way. It does want a fair amount of sun, so it wants at least a half day or more of sun every day in the growing season but it wants consistent moisture. It will not survive if it's put in a you know dry, sunny spot or a super well-drained spot. So if you've got kind of a lower lying area in your yard or a bit of a dip somewhere where it tends to be moister than anywhere else, plant it there. <clears throat> I would not leave it in the garage for the winter. You're gonna have better success putting it outside. Okay. If you have the right spot where you want to plant it, you could do that now. My impulse would be to leave it in the pot and just bury it, pot and all, okay. and then in the spring, put it in its final location. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll give that a try. That that sounds reasonable. Okay. Well, Good stuff. It. Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Diane. Um, Charlie, this that's a question that comes up fairly often. I think that, and your answer is often the same. People seem to think that by bringing a pot into a garage that it's safe, but it almost seems to me from listening to you over the last year that it's almost a worse place for it to be. Exactly. You think you're doing your plants a favor by coddling them in the garage and they're, they're in your garage going, what? Uh, where am I? Why am I in a garage? So, no, they'd much yeah. rather be outside. Okay, and, and burying a pot seems to be the way because they get too cold in the garage, don't they? Well, it's that exposure, too. Like, the the pot above ground is going to dry out much faster than it is in the ground. So, it providing the right conditions in a garage is a little challenging. You need moisture, but not too much. You need, 
you don't really need light because obviously the plant should be dormant, but but it's that keeping it dormant. Uh, my garage gets really hot on a sunny day in January, February, and my garage gets really cold on a cold night in January, February. So you've got some pretty big extremes inside garages. It's better to leave them outside where at least it's the plant will go dormant and stay dormant. Okay, gotcha. I'm going to give those numbers out again, 416-360-0740 if you live in Toronto or anywhere outside uh, the city of Toronto and in the province of Ontario, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And look at that. We have a caller from New York in right now, Charlie, and it's uh, Sam, and she's a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I would love to give you your, uh, we give these garden wings out. It's uh, for being a first-time caller. So there you go. And uh, how much much. snow you got down where you are, Sam? I'm sorry? Oh, you're wondering how much snow you have down there. What's your weather like down in New York? We're very lucky. We've only had about 12 inches. Uh, We're 60 miles uh, west of Buffalo. uh, So um, we haven't got anything like uh, they have. Wow. Yes, our hearts are going out to the Buffalonians for sure. Boy, I guess. Okay, so what's uh, going on in your garden, Sam? Well, two two uh, days ago, I was given an outdoor bonsai tree uh, it, uh, from people people who got it as a gift that can take care of it. They had it for one week in a box as a oh, kit. No. Uh, they gave it to me, and I've had it two days. That I uh, I read the instructions. I don't get it. Um, Never had one. Uh, I'd like to keep this thing alive during the winter. So mm. I set it, it the, the roots and everything still wrapped in plastic like it came out of the kit. And I set mm. it in a, we have an enclosed back porch uh, and it stays above freezing. Right now it's around 40 degrees out there in the enclosed porch. And I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit challenging. So, all right, so it's a kit. It's So is the entire plant wrapped in plastic or just the pot? Uh, just the pot. Okay. And do you have? Is it a, a deciduous plant? Does it have leaves that want to fall off, or is it an evergreen? It's. Uh, it has leaves. It has leaves, and the leaves are still on the plant. Green leaves. Yes, they are. I and and moisture, for sure. So, because a lot. Of, sorry. Go ahead. I can see a little moisture under the plastic still. Okay. Um, Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to clarify what kind of plant it is. Here in Ontario, a lot of times when bonsais are for sale, planted up and, you know, ready to take home, they are tropical plants. So they are plants that we would grow indoors, though if I lived in Florida, I would grow them outdoors. So I guess it's just important to... um, On the instructions, it did say that this is an outdoor bonsai and it indicated that even if you lived in this New York state, it should be outside or, or how did the instructions uh, read? Uh, it says the, the, the small instructions say it is an outdoor bonsai tree. And, uh, it, it basically tells, uh, about watering everything during the summer months. Uh, but it says for winter, uh, it, it can be outside in winter just to heal, uh, um, peel in your bonsai by covering the pot and soil with pine needles, bark mulch, or soil when temperatures drop to freezing. Then it says that if, it, if it's going to be in long periods below freezing, you can bring it in to garage, shed, cold frames, or basement. But um, I, I, uh, 
I don't really know what to, should I take this plastic off and start it? I don't know about watering it in that the cold yeah. temperatures or. Okay. All right. So no, but that's good information. So that is a bonsai that is clearly what we would call a hardy tree or shrub. So it's something that is designed to be outside. So number one, take off all the wrapping, the plastic, uh, whatever is on it, get that off. I like okay. the idea of your porch, the 40 degrees, roughly porch. Uh, is and that might be the place to leave that little bonsai plant all winter. You do is it, does any sun get in onto that porch? Does it warm up on a on a sunny day? Uh, it a very little bit in the morning. It, the, the porch windows face east, and yeah. uh, right now, uh, obviously, the the sun's coming up a little bit um, more to the south. But um, right. it gets a little, a very little bit to answer your question. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and the other thing would be, so the trick with bonsai, so what is bonsai? Bonsai are regular plants that we grow out in our yards and in our homes that have been forced to stay small. And the way they keep them small, the way they force them is they trim the roots and they put them in very small pots. So a very shallow little pot is, is a plant sorry, that the, the bonsai is growing in, mm-hmm. is what we call dwarfing. So it dwarfs the above-ground growth because we are um, very much compacting the below-ground growth. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, plants that could, I mean, I've seen maple trees that are 120, 150 years old in a bonsai pot that's only three inches deep the maple tree, which would have been 40 feet tall, is maybe 18 inches tall. So it's unbelievable what you can do with it. It's a real art. So don't beat yourself up if this doesn't work perfectly the first time. There's the art and the science. The biggest trick for keeping a plant healthy, a bonsai plant healthy, so a plant that's been bonsai in a little dwarf pot, is uh, watering it consistently. And you'll figure that out. You're going to get used to feeling the surface of the soil. If it feels really dry, you're going to water. There should be drainage holes in the pot that the plant is growing in now. So you'll need a tray below that so that when you do water, the water will run through. You never want that plant to sit in water, but you want that consistent moisture. Above zero is great. Um, The suggestion for putting it outside is a possibility, uh, though you mentioned you do have some snow on the ground. So... It might be a bit shocking to put it out right now. I, I like the idea of of your porch. I might even might even provide a you know like a, almost a blank not a blanket, but if it gets really cold, like say it's twenty below outside and it's getting pretty cold on the porch, I probably would grab an old blanket and sort of make a little nest for the for the tree over these cold periods for the winter. As soon as we're frost free, you're going to get it outside and all those leaves should drop off in the meantime and new ones will grow next spring. Remember, once the leaves drop off, the plant is not going to use much water. So your, your watering right now is just to help it transition in this new porch it's probably been very warm where it was, so the leaves are still there, but those leaves will drop. So it'll go basically dormant, just like your maple trees are right now outside. So you won't water so much in the winter, but do keep an eye on it and expect it to burst forth with all kinds of great new growth in the spring. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, okay. I, just one quick question, or two quick questions. Uh, watering it in the dormant stage, I, I just make sure that it keeps a little bit moist. Is that is that right? 
Well, once it's completely dormant, uh, and you know, you could even get yourself a moisture meter that might help a bit. You're going to find that you'll instead of watering every three or four or five days, you're going to start watering every two or three weeks. So that's going to be the difference. So it's just going to be a longer uh, duration between waterings once it's dormant because you don't want it to turn into a desert. You don't want it bone dry, but you do want to keep a bit of moisture in that soil. So whether it's your fingers or a moisture meter, keep track of it that way. Okay, thank you. What okay. are the Good are the luck, Sam. Yeah, th- yeah. A report in, in April or May from you, please. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for the call there, Sam. Okay, we uh, have to take a break, but we will be back with much more here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. And Charlie Dobbin is ready to take your questions. Uh, she, uh, let me see, we have lines open. Would love for you to give us a call. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Before we get to this next call, i got to tell you, Charlie, Sam kept me on my toes talking in miles and Fahrenheit, and I was doing all these conversions in my brain because, of course, you and I were were brought up in the era where, uh, for a good portion of our schooling, we were taught in the imperial, and then they switched over to metric. So, kind of thinking both. Well, yeah, and you're younger than me, so I actually did all my schooling in imperial until I went to university, and then it was all metric. Uh-huh. So I I flip back and forth. I can do it really easily. And I always remember when I was back in my retail days, asked one of my staff to go and look at a certain pot and tell me, did it look like it was 32 inches? <laughs> she looked at me so blank. And she goes, yeah. I have no idea no what idea. 32 inches looks like. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's like this big. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we still like, have. I had I had Imperial till about grade four. And uh, I know we, uh-huh. we had rulers for the longest time in school that had, you know, metric on one side and Imperial on the other, which are harder to find now. Now you just, well, you don't find them at all. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, okay, so let's wait, go to... Before go we go yeah, yeah. to uh, back to uh, sorry, yeah, talk yeah. Marianne, just want to do a quick uh, report back for Janet. She was calling in Hamilton now, recognizing that it'd be pretty hard to buy any of these grasses right now. I would think most of the garden centers have put all their plants away. Uh, a couple of things I mentioned, like carex in gen- not carex, but um, yeah, well, carex in general, C A R E X. They handle half-day sun, but again, your, your heights are quite low. There is one sedge, grows up to 80 centimeters, but it's, it's a floppy, cascading plant. I mentioned chasmanthium. Chasmanthium is sea oats, 90 centimeters tall, so not that four feet, but, you know, getting up there and handles the kind of light levels. Uh, otherwise, yeah, hakanakloa, the Japanese forest grass, not tall enough. Uh, Helictotrichum, also known as um, blue oat grass, about 100 centimeters tall, prefers full sun, but a nice tough one. And yeah, other than that, (laughs) other than that, there's not a lot with height that are going to handle half day sun. So um, yes, do take a look around in the spring. You mentioned you're in Hamilton. You have some great garden centers in Hamilton. You've got Terra Greenhouses. You've got um, oh, they're Harpers uh, on the mountain there. 
Talk to some of their staff. See what they can recommend for your uh, chosen location. You know the size of your pot. You know your light levels. And see what they have on hand in, you know, May or late April when you're in shopping. Good luck with that, Janet. Always got to tell Charlie, always love it when you start throwing around the Latin. Just, you know, (laughs) it's it's great. So, (laughs) okay, let's go to Marianne in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Marianne. Uh, Good morning. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Charlie and Dean. Um, A couple of years ago, I bought a couple of uh, sea lavenders in pots. I think it was at the end of the season, and they were brown. And uh, I figured uh, I'd bring them home, put them on a sunny windowsill, and they would turn green again. But after two years, I don't think they're dormant. <laughs> I came to that conclusion. So, and I can't find any information on sea lavender. Huh. Yeah. So, so this is an example. <coughs> Excuse me, Dean and and uh, Marianne. You bought them late in the season. You brought them home and you put them inside your house, right? Yes. Because you were worried about them being too cold outside. So what you really wanted to do is you wanted to plant that plant outside when you bought it yes. and put it out in the ground. Of course, it's uh, it's not a lavender. It uh, it's um, it's a beautiful plant actually. Leadwort is one of the common names as well, and uh, it's a you know. How, how do you spell it? Pardon? How do you spell it? Uh, sea lavender is close enough. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, it's it's known uh, commonly as marsh rosemary. It's also known as lavender thrift. It's a it's a plant that does very well, believe it or not, in salt marshes mm-hmm. and along sand dunes. So it's it's not a lavender. Is my my only real point. So what you want there? Lots and lots and lots of full sun. Uh, it's going to, should, I mean, for now after two years, those are compost, would be my suggestion. But if you wanted to buy them again, nice, beautiful blue, blue and white flowers, uh, hardy enough to withstand our winters, no problem. Does like a sandy soil, so a well-drained sandy soil. Uh, and they can take full sun or they'll even take half-day sun, grow 6 to 12 inches tall. Uh, limonium is its proper name, L I M. O-N-I-U-M. Uh, but when I touch the dried leaves, they smell kind of lavenderish. Yeah, that's where the common name comes from. Ah. So often they do, right? But yeah, it's it's not a lavender. But So that sea lavender tells you that it is a plant that can handle the coast and the salt, etc., that uh, is in the air and the soil uh, around the coastlines. Nice so plant, actually, though, they're sure. not dormant, they're dead. I would think so. <laughs> thank Sorry you about that, much. Marianne. <laughs> Keep well. Okay. Bye. Well, and thank you. Yeah, thank you for the call and uh, good luck. Well, at least you got some good, nice smelling compost there. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Okay. We have to take our last break, but we'll be back with a bit more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here for this final segment of this week's Garden Show. And we are going to go to Joe now, who is calling from London. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Joe. Yeah, good morning. Um, 
quick question. Uh, it's always a quick question. Every time I call, it's always a quick question. Um, I've got two apple trees in the back of my garden. When is the best time to trim them down? Okay, good question. Not now. The Not best now. time, and you, you learn this if you, uh, in your area, go for a drive into some of the fruit growing areas, Grimsby, Niagara Falls, etc. Yes. All fruit trees are trimmed when they're dormant, but yes. late winter. So late winter, early spring, still dormant. No leaves, no flowers, might yes. be snow on the ground, but we do all our pruning and trimming then. We can see very clearly the framework of the tree because there's no leaves in the way. And on a nice, dry, sunny day, could be February, could be March, you're out there and you're trimming, doing nice, clean cuts of whatever it is you're removing. And, um, and you know, really, if you're, I'm assuming you're growing these apple trees for apples, so you're well, uh, pruning very uh, specifically for I, uh, a maximum harvest. The, apple, the apples are grown, yes, but the squirrels keep taking them. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. wondering whether whether I'm going to bother to trim them or not. I just leave the squirrels do it, do something <laughs> about it because they're the ones that are getting all the fruit. Well, okay. So there are ways around that. I mean, don't leave the squirrels to prune the tree. Better to grow the tree as healthy as you can. Even so, like I, I think I've said this before on the show. Apple trees and fruit trees in general, there's two different ways to prune. One way to prune is to get maximum fruit, which is not necessarily a good-looking tree. Or number two, pruning specifically for a good-looking tree, which will not give you maximum amount of fruit. So uh, in your case, because the squirrels are getting them, you might want to look more at just the health of the tree. Even consider an arborist to come in if it's a big old overgrown tree and it's a tree you love. It's sometimes worth spending some money on getting it pruned properly for the longevity of the tree. But there are products out there that will help keep the squirrels away or even just... Do the old, put some some peanuts out. So I mean, a squirrel would much rather have a peanut than an apple, I think. So oh, okay. yeah. you, know, you can teach the squirrels the apples are no good if you give them something else, and that way you can get some of the apples. I, I tried putting um, the netting over them uh, yeah. one year, and they, no, they still got in. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I, we're away for the winter. We don't come back until April. Is that oh. too late? Um, well, you'll just, the first day you get back, when it's sunny and clear and you can get outside, that's the day to get get into uh, pruning any fruit trees. Appreciate it. Thank you very thanks. much. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the question there, Joe. Okay, Charlie Dobbin, I have a question. Yep. <laughs> and this is a serious question. Yeah, okay, so um, let's, let's, let's presume that maybe I did not get all of my bulbs in the ground last Saturday. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm just saying that if by chance, theoretically, I didn't get all the bulbs in, and if I don't manage to get them into the soil now, I'm just wondering, uh, on behalf of other people who might be listening, um, if there is a way to preserve those bulbs, can I put them away? Can I still use them next year? No. But that is a good question, because what you can do, if you're right, if you suddenly stumble upon another bag of bulbs in January and the ground is truly frozen and there's no way you can get them out into the, uh, you know, into the proper outdoor location, you can pot them up, assuming these are bulbs that are not going to be three foot tall ornamental 
onions or allium, you know, assuming that they're daffodils or tulips or little crocuses or muscari, you can pot them up into pots, just plastic pots with drainage holes, moist potting soil. You could do this today if you wish. If you say, I don't want to go outside anymore, pot, get some nice fresh potting soil, moist jam those little bulbs into the soil just on the surface so little pointy ends up on the surface pack the the pot full of bulbs none of this four inches apart like you would in the ground in pots we put them close together just almost touching but not touching and then you take that pot full of soil and bulbs you put it into a plastic bag preferably a dark colored plastic bag and you put it in the fridge the beer fridge is empty it's winter we're not drinking beer get the bulbs <laughs> into the beer fridge and uh, leave them there just mark it on your calendar eight weeks nine weeks check after eight weeks you should have growth starting uh, depending on the you can always air and go to 10 weeks pull those bulbs out of the fridge, put them on a sunny windowsill, and before you know it, you have beautiful flowering, whether it's tulips or daffodils or hyacinths, right there on your windowsill in your living room. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Not, it's not fun. that it's I have. It's easy yeah. to do. Excellent. Okay. Well, not that I have to worry about that, but I just yeah. thought, you know, just in the event <laughs> <laughs> that I maybe come well, across a few bulbs. <laughs> in your case, they were tall alliums. So I would mm. not recommend trying to force those. I'd get those in the ground. But okay. short bulbs are great. They're really, I love, I've done it so many times just because it, the fragrance, right? The fragrance of a hyacinth, yeah. you can't beat it uh, in the spring. And, you know, February, March, the dark days of winter. Have some color, have some fragrance right inside your home. Sweet. Thanks, Dean. Thank uh, you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, happy shoveling. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without you and the great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.